0: Alright, and welcome to another episode of Sports Bears from an Agent's Perspective. It's right, uh, episode number eighty, guys. <laughs> Can you freaking believe it? Episode number eighty, man. Um you're always with your your number one host, uh Zila a.k.a. and Bekela. And um yeah, today we um I don't I don't wanna say we got like a contradictory episode, but we got a very interesting episode um that we're gonna talk about, you know. Just with regards to uh professional sports and everything contractual, you know, things that are involved with regards to you know professional sports contracts. Um, but yeah, that's gonna come later on in the show. Um before we get into it, man. Um just wanna pay homage, you know, give a shout-out to the late Queen Mother, my late mom, man, um Nobubele, Christabel Nobubele Bele and Um yeah, I mean, that's the woman who birthed me The woman who raised me, you know November 25th is always um, How can I say it's, all, it's always a tough day, you know Because that was the day that, um, you know, she was taken from us Or the day she passed away um, On November 25th, 2017 So, I mean, that's five years now Hard to believe that it's been five years, you know, since she's been gone But, um, yeah i always remember you know my mom in good spirits man um she was one of those people who you know she she was just so sure of herself you know and to some you know that kind of character trait might come across as arrogant um overconfident but you know my my late my mom man she just knew who she was you know she knew who she was and um and that was, that's a character trait I admired about her You know, she had this saying Like, you know, she had this saying that She always said that she believed she was never born an underdog You know, because you know how sometimes There's, there's you know, there's beauty in the story of You know, yeah, I was an underdog You know, nah To my mom, man, fuck all of that She was one of those who would tell herself That she was never born an underdog she, She's a winner She's a born winner um, and in everything that she did man she really excelled you know she really excelled um, and she was definitely one of the influential forces in my life to be able to chase you know whatever I wanted to do you know um, I'm always going to shout her out man because she was one person and I remember in my matric year when I was overlooked you know to make the blue bulls Craven week side you know my mom was one of the very first people like after the whole trial period because one thing i'll tell you is you know when you trialed for provincials man back in the day i don't know how it is now it was a hell of a process (laughs) you know hell of a process man so we would play three trials um no sorry two rounds of trials at afis and then after that team and, and, and then like a preliminary team would be chosen to play against like the Limpopo Blue Bulls So that would pretty much be the third round And then after playing the Limpopo Blue Bulls um, A fourth round of trials would be played Which would also be like a a preliminary warm-up game Against the Pumas in Pumalanga And then after that So now this is four rounds of trials And then after that The final team would then be laid out And the names would be released Like in the newspapers Like it, it was, it was a big thing you know um and i remember man when i checked the paper to see cuz i believed man i had an amazing well i didn't have a good first round in my matricia my first round was yeah it's terrible and that was through my own fault my own fault um but anyway i i managed to bounce back in the second third and fourth round and um so i was hoping that at least i'd be on the bench you know for the craven week side but yeah i didn't make it i was overlooked and then obviously i knew i was good. if i didn't make the craven week side i'd be in the academy week side because i'd made academy week the, the year before so i was in the academy week side starting lineup and everything and even though i was bummed man my mom was like listen you know this is still another opportunity for you to go showcase what you got you know she was like it doesn't matter which team you play for if you're good enough um then you know your talent will basically open doors for you that's the one thing that she would always say that don't stress about this and that this and that she would always be like if you're good enough then your talent will open doors for you plain and simple you know you might not understand it now but wherever you're meant to be or meant to play that's where the chips will fall you know and um and i never forgot that and i pretty much you know adopted it so I w- when i went to go play academy week i went in with a good attitude and lo and behold you know I-, I was able to get um a full you know not a full ride scholarship but i was able to get you know quite a big scholarship to go play at the leopards and join the pika rugby institute so just you know taking you know those words in and just never giving up was just um one of the things i appreciated um, you know, about my mom, and then, even when things, you know, um, went to shit, when I was down in Potts of my mom was the one person who just never, um, you know, who never let me give up, you know, she was always like, do you enjoy this thing, like, do you love this, this rugby thing, and I'd be like, yes, then she'd be like, then don't give up, you know, don't let other people dictate how this goes, you know, you just, you've got to keep going, you know, and then when I eventually made the decision to move back to Pretoria, leaving Parchefström after two years, um, I remember um, she, was, she was, again, she became very influential. She was like, look, I'll make you a deal. This was actually both her and my dad. They were like, if you can focus on your studies as well, we're going to support this, um, this rugby thing of yours, you chasing a, you know, a sports career. And so that was a deal that we made That so long as I was doing well at school You know, they would support But when I say support They would provide me with money to buy supplements Um, They would provide me, you know, money for Well, I was under, you know, my parents' medical aid at the time So if I got hurt, I was medically covered Like they, because they saw how serious about this thing You know, how serious I was about this rugby thing Because I would always wake up in the morning Get to the gym I was training, um, going for jogs sometimes during like holidays and stuff. So they they pretty much saw that okay, this guy takes this thing pretty seriously. How can we support? You know, and they did that. Um Yeah, man. So like my mom was one of those supportive parents, you know. But you know, to be honest with you, she never ever saw me play a game live, you know, because she was busy with work and everything. But the support that she showed, that she was willing to help me with everything that I needed, it meant a lot, you know, um, and I think, where my mom would really prove to be an above average, typical, you know, black mom, was when, um, when I was, yeah, was when I was working for an amazing mining company, Avenge Moomans Mining, in Katu, in the Northern Cape, you know, a very, pretty much, laid out job you know i was permanently employed i was earning good money you know for a kid who was 25 26 years old 25 26 years old um had good benefits but when an opportunity for me to pursue my rugby to play in hong kong and basically venture into the unknown it was my mother who was like listen these type of opportunities man they they don't come around every day you know She was like, you know, we didn't get such opportunities because, you know, they came up in the apartheid era. So she was like, you have to you have to take this opportunity. You have to do this. If things don't work out in Hong Kong, you can always come back home, regroup and then we'll figure things out together, you know. So to have that kind of support structure, man, is something that I'm always going to be appreciative of. Um, Obviously, by this time, my, my dad had passed away. So that's why. You know, she was pretty much inspiring me to, to to do this, you know, and she would be and she was like, Look, your dad would have definitely felt the same way as well, so you gotta do this, you know. So yeah man, um shout out to her, man, the late Christabel Nobubel and Begela, you know. Always, always, always grateful for everything that she did for me while she was on earth, everything that she did for us as our kids um me and my other siblings and um i was actually on the phone talking to my sister last night and i was just reminiscing (laughs) on some funny ass memories you know about my mom um she was always rude like to all the girls that i tried to introduce to her and i guess and you know when my sister explained it it kind of made sense because the one thing that my mom used to say was she was like listen The only girl I want you to ever introduce to me is the girl you plan on marrying. Plain and simple. And she was like that with all the rest of my siblings. That she did not want to know, you know, girlfriends that were passing by. Because now it would be like, oh, this one, this one. So mm -mm, she wanted no part of it. Um, So it was just funny that sometimes even girls that I wasn't dating. You know, girls that were just like my friends that I would try to introduce to her she wanted no part of it like she literally would never greet them back she would just look at them and then just look away and carry on doing what she was doing so I mean those are just some of the funny memories um that I'll always remember about my mom um but yeah anyway man um continue to rest in peace man madam miss you every day and uh thank you for everything Alright guys, so um, to move on, so after the break, we are going to, um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about um, regarding the question of should all professional sports contracts be guaranteed? Alright, should they be guaranteed or non-guaranteed? Stick around, we're going to discuss it more after the break. Um, We're going to go into commercial, we're going to pay the lights, we're going to pay the bills, so don't go anywhere. All right, see you guys in a bit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. I know, you know, from my personal experience, man, when I was an athlete, when I was a player, You know, there'd be times I would go through, you know, feelings of like stress and anxiety, you know, stress to perform, you know, stress to play well, to make sure you play for that next contract. And, you know, I really wish that I had had, you know, certain like avenues to really vent and get out these frustrations and just have an objective party to talk to. All right. BetterHelp, man. It's a platform that offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you through, you know, your tough time or whatever you're going through. Now you're able to talk to your therapist in private um, online environment at your convenience. So it's literally therapy, um, wherever you may be, you know, Um, there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapists network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire, to help assess your specific needs and then uh, you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours imagine that under 48 hours then you schedule uh, secure video and phone sessions and then uh, plus you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist um, and everything you share is 100 percent and completely confidential right what i've found helpful man with using the platform um, like BetterHelp, again, you know, it's just their response time. That if you're going through something, um, you're able to talk with your therapist and share it right there and then, you know. My therapist, uh, Mark, is so efficient, um, and I'm really um, happy that I'm working with him. All right, and then you can actually also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime if the, cur- like the current um, therapist that you matched with doesn't work out for you. All right? So you don't need to stress and feel like you're trapped with one therapist. You can actually request to change. So, join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to sports beers from an agent's perspective podcast listeners. So you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp dot com slash k Z Mbekela. Right? That's better H E L P dot com slash k-z-m-b-e-k-e-l-a right. Bekela. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Alright, and welcome back Um, Hope you guys didn't fade on me, man Because like I'm saying, today We're just going to be, you know, sharing a bit of game You know, with regarding to um, You know, professional sports contracts And we're just going to basically Just sort of like dissect um, About the fact that Should all, you know Professional sports contracts be guaranteed You know, because these are pretty much um, Sort of like employment contracts You know so for those, you know, tuning in for the first time to listen to the podcast or for those unfamiliar with, you know, sporting contracts. Um, so basically when you get to the pro stages, in fact, even at semi-pro and sometimes even at amateur level, you know, teams, when, they are, when teams identify that you have a talent um, for a certain sport and they would love to, you know, use your services, they'll engage in contractual talks with you. So, just to put it simply, you know, teams will sign a piece of paper or agreement that is basically an exchange, you know, um, a transaction, sort of like a transactional exchange of your talent for them to pay you monetary terms. Now, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously, when considering at amateur level, Teams will usually get into an agreement to pay players probably like match fees and stuff, you know, for you to play for them. Um, At semi-pro level, it could be both ways in terms of teams negotiating to either pay uh, game fees while also assisting the player to maybe find um, a place of employment, you know, with maybe a company that's affiliated with the team. Or sometimes... Um, depending on how elite the player is um, teams can negotiate a contract to maybe pay a portion of the player's contract and make it based on like being a player and then the other half of the player's employment could be coming from um, again like an employment opportunity that the team organizes you know through someone affiliated with the team whether it be a team sponsor and so forth etc right that's at semi-pro and then when you're dealing with a professional sports contract that is literally a contract where a player will be in agreement with a team to only play the certain sport um that they've signed to play on for so for example if you're a you know if you've signed a professional football contract that means all of the monetary um, earnings are simply going to come from the player um playing for the team, you know, you're a full-time player, your job is to play professional sports, whether it be soccer, rugby, basketball, baseball, um, well, tennis, you don't sign a professional contract with a team. Um, So basically, most of the team sports, you know, the individual sports, you mostly sign a contract with a sponsor that is going to pay you to obviously participate in your sport that's a different kind of contractual system and we're not actually going to deal with um, with individual sports because their contractual structures are a bit different because like i'm saying their contractual structures are made uh, um, mostly are mostly based on um, endorsement deals and agreements with certain you know sponsorship brands and stuff all right so we're going to mostly focus on team sports all right so Again, to just basically explain what a guaranteed contract is to first-time listeners or maybe people that aren't really familiar with um, the terminology dealing with professional sports contracts, so a guaranteed um, sporting contract is a contract um, that will be in agreement between, you know the player and the team, which is, which is usually negotiated by an intermediary um, brackets sports agent um yeah whereby a team is going to play is going to pay the player a certain amount um, to basically represent and play for the team all right now where the guarantee part comes in is the fact that even if a player were to get injured they are still going to get that money so that means if they're not available for selection for some reason, whether it's, whether it's through injury or maybe through personal problems. Because, I mean, athletes are, athletes are human beings too, you know. So, what that means is that, you know, people go through things in life. Alright. And sometimes, they might not be available for game day through personal problems. Maybe a child is sick or maybe their spouse is sick or maybe they themselves sometimes are unavailable, you know, due to illness or injury or whatever other reason. So in a guaranteed contract, if the, able, I mean, sorry, if the agent was able to negotiate a guaranteed contract, this means that whether the player is available for game day or not, they still receive all that money because they are signed, um, meaning that they are employed by the team. Alright, so those are the perks of a guaranteed contract Is the fact that the player has some sort of like surety and security That okay, you know, knock on wood Or God forbid I don't make it to game day I know that I can still provide for my family I know that I can still feed myself, pay my bills um, Until I'm back on the court or on the field or whatever You know now, when looking at a non-guaranteed contract, that's a different story. So a non-guaranteed contract, again, you know, that's an agreement that is negotiated by an agent um, for the player to represent a team. But now with a non-guaranteed contract, this is literally an incentive-based or performance-based contract, which means that the player will receive all of their earnings based on them turning up for the game. Based on them being available for selection. You know, so where a non-guaranteed contract becomes a little tricky is the fact that should you get sick or should you get injured, you will not see all of that money. Some teams are kind enough to say that okay, if you're not available for selection on game day, um there's a certain pay cut by a certain percentage that you need to agree that you know to be able to accept but if you play then you get all that money but if you don't you only get a certain percentage and then there are some teams that when it involves non-guaranteed money that means that if you don't make it to game day if you're not available for selection on game day whether you're injured or for whatever reason zero zero payment for that game day you know so it it depends on how the team structure it, man, and um, and it's it's always such a massive debate, you know, coming from the player side because then the players, you know, they accuse the teams of um, basically dehumanizing them and um, just treating them like commodities. And <laughs> you know, when it comes to this, you know, like I said, this this podcast, it this episode is going to be a bit contradictory because. Um, I am going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, you know, and basically just explain from the team's perspective how and why they come to such a conclusion and why they um, choose to structure these contracts like this, you know. But then again, like I always say, I'm always going to have the mind of an athlete because I was once a player, you know. So my as much as my alliance... Is always leaning towards the athlete side Um, When you're looking at it from an agent's perspective (laughs) See what I did there Um, It basically also gives you like an opportunity To see things from an objective You know From an objective sort of like space Where I'm looking at it from both sides And I understand Where both parties are coming from I understand where the players are coming from But I also do understand where the teams are coming from you know you got to understand it because from the team's perspective from the team's perspective from the team side you you know what players also need to understand is that teams are not this money is not being donated they are paying for someone's services you know they are paying for your talent it's a it's a transaction so when a player is unavailable to play then a team feels like, okay, then why should we be taking out hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of either dollars, euros, rands and paying for something that we're not getting, you know? So you sort of understand their reasoning when they do put those clauses for non-guaranteed contracts. But then again, um, yeah, for, for a security, you know, for player security you do understand why they sometimes moan about that. That, okay, guys, come on. You know, we're also human. We can't control. Sometimes, and especially when they get injured while on duty for the team, you know, it's understandable if there's a clause in the contract that, okay, if this player decides to maybe go play pickup soccer or pick-up basketball or a game of touch rugby with their friends, which is away from the team facility, then, I mean, then, then that should mean that Um, the money can't be guaranteed because this is not a work-related injury. But if a player, you know, again, touch wood, man, like I don't wish, you know, injuries at training on any player, you know. But what if, you know, while at training, your Achilles goes or your hamstring goes on that week, then you actually should get all that money because this was a work-related injury. You got hurt while at work. You know, so for my opinion, that's where I think that, you know, um, player associations actually have a point when they they try to battle that um, with teams that, okay, hold on. If it's a work related injury, if the player got hurt while at training at the team facility, that should warrant them to receive all that money. That should warrant them to you know, to basically get all their, their guaranteed money. But if it's an injury that happened off the grounds, then, you know, then it's understandable. It's understandable why the team would feel like, no, we feel like we shouldn't have to pay because this guy um was negligent, you know. That's why it's so important, you know, for guys who are under contract to look after themselves, especially in the off-season. And because the off-season... You know, when I was at Queens College, man, um, we used to term off-season as silly season because that's when guys would just get up to no good. You know, that's when, because, you know, rugby season would be over. I mean, this was back in my early, you know, standard standard six, standard seven, grade eight and grade nine, where honestly, after the season finished, man, you literally found yourself in a time period where you were just fooling around and partying with friends Um, and just getting up to no good you know silly season (laughs) so it's understandable why the off-season period is sometimes coined as the silly seasons because this is when you know honestly guys sometimes get up to to a whole lot of mischief where you know some guys will hurt themselves while on jet skis or guys sometimes will go you know if it's the winter time they'll go skiing and they might you know tear an ACL Um, and again these aren't things I wish on any player but these are sometimes hazardous um, accidents that sometimes occur you know that's why it's encouraged that if you're going to go on vacation make sure that you utilize your downtime and Literally give the meaning to the word downtime and don't do anything. Do the safest you know activities possible. Go bowling. Play video games. Watch movies. Go for a swim in the ocean. Avoid water sports. Because, avoid anything that potentially puts you at risk um, of getting hurt. Because that literally can come back to haunt you. Especially if you signed a non-guaranteed contract with the team but i do know that that even with guaranteed contracts teams can actually turn around and um you know and and basically have a case at not paying the player if they got hurt in an injury that's not sports related you know so um yeah so so that's pretty much the the, the whole debacle man um at the whole guaranteed versus you know non-guaranteed contracts. Um and again, like I'm saying, so many player associations in the different sporting federations have been trying and trying and trying to um to reach an agreement with the team owners, but they can't they, they just they just aren't barging, you know, because it's such a catch twenty-two, it's such a, a touch and go um situation because what that in turn means is that now you're taking all accountability away from the players because sometimes honestly some players do act the fool in the off season and so some teams are like no fuck that why should we compensate a guy whom we told that okay look after yourselves in the off season because you have to report back and well part of your job is you have to be you know you have to be in good shape you have to be um Your body, you you can't have a disability when you come back from vacation. You know? And um, so we're just going to take a look at the sports quickly where guaranteed contracts are likely to be signed. So the sporting, I guess, yeah, sports that literally are more susceptible to agree to sign guaranteed contracts, obviously, you know, soccer, professional soccer, in most cases... And again, depending on where you play. But in most cases, when players sign professional soccer contracts, those contracts are usually guaranteed, meaning the players will see all their money, regardless of the fact that if they get hurt and they're unavailable on game day, they will still see all their money. You know, Um, pro pro basketball, again, in most cases, um, well, depending on where you play, you know, depending on where you play, I know that if um, guys who play mostly in the NBA sign guaranteed contracts, but but guys who sign contracts to play in um, basketball markets such as the Euro League, those contracts aren't always um, guaranteed. You know, those contracts are mostly based on are mostly based on availability and performance-based. Meaning that, man, you listen, playing professional basketball overseas. Um, you know with the stories I've heard and the research and the documentaries I've watched it can be a pretty I don't want to say daunting task but it can be an unforgiving environment meaning that for those guys especially when you're coming from a basketball market like America like when you're American and you go play overseas as the import you are like the expectations that come with being the import dude they're second to none like you are expected to be like a, like a um a superman the second coming of like superman so to speak because you're not a, you're not a, um you're not allowed to get hurt even when you are hurt you're expected to play while hurt which means that for every single game you need to be available for selection otherwise your contract is literally at the risk of being canceled and you being taken home You know, so that's why I'm saying that it depends on which market you play in professional basketball. But I do know that most of the guys who sign contracts to play in the NBA, most of those contracts are guaranteed. So if the guy is not available to play through injury or, you know, family emergency, they still see all their money. Baseball, same thing. Um, Baseball contracts are pretty much mostly guaranteed. Whether you're playing in the US, I know another big market for baseball is here in Japan. And those contracts are also guaranteed as well. You know, I don't want to lie. B-League contracts, from, from my understanding, from um, the professional basketball contracts, they are somewhat guaranteed, where if a guy gets hurt and, um, you know, while playing for the team, he's still, still going to see all his money, you know. Um, and then when we look at, like, non-guaranteed Um, contracts funny enough the non-guaranteed contracts are mostly with the contact sports you know rugby is actually on the fence when it comes to this because again depending on where you play your um where a player gets their professional rugby contract some some contracts are actually guaranteed i know that when you do play in south africa and you sign a contract If you get hurt after signing the contract, the player will potentially see all that money, especially if the injury was rugby-related and it happened while the player was playing. You know, I know that they will still see all that money. But if the player gets hurt before signing the contract, the team can still opt to withdraw their offer. I know many guys, man, who are coming up that before they were like when they were due to sign their major deal you know something happened and this was actually rugby related like some guys would you know get knee injuries just before they signed their you know senior contract deals and when this happened the team would then withdraw their offer so the guy would literally be out of contract While, you know, the um, they're also trying to heal from the knee injury. So I felt that that was kind of foul. But again, I do understand from the team's perspective. Because honestly, guys, these teams aren't in the business of giving money away. You know, when a team signs you, they kind of want to make sure that their investment in you, that there's going to be returns on it. Again, all these things differ because some teams... Because of what you had produced, they do still sign you uh, based on your potential. And then they work with you, rehabilitate you so that when you come back, you're able to play for the team. But this doesn't this is a case-by-case basis. That's why I'm saying a sport like rugby is on the fence because again, it depends who your agent is, it depends where you're playing. And yeah, look, when when dealing with things like SA rugby, then you the whole politics thing you know, comes into play, depends who you are, you know, it depends the color of your skin, you know, but that's, that's a discussion for a whole nother episode, like I don't want to go into that, but those are the cold hard facts, you know, I know this because there's so many players I knew who were due to sign longer term contracts, but they got hurt and then the team withdrew that offer and they are when they you know they they within their rights to do so because nothing's been signed you know it was just it was a, a verbal agreement that the team was looking to sign this player on a longer term deal but because of this contract it didn't happen and again that's just teams protecting their interests and their um their financial interests you know because when teams sign a player especially when you're going to play when you're going to pay a lot of money you know you're taking cap space you know salary cap space so now when you're going to pay a guy just to not play that's that's kind of a waste of money you know and um yeah some teams it's a business guys you know it's 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 a business of professional sports you know teams are always gonna look out for their financial interests at the end of the day you know it's nothing personal all right. And then the other sporting code that, <laughs> that is always under scrutiny, I promise you, if you go on any media platform, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's online, the number one sport that is always facing scrutiny for um, their non-guaranteed contracts is obviously American football, the NFL, National Football League. Um And again, you know, like like I'm saying, this is where I'm going to potentially play um, a little bit of devil's advocate for this, is that, you know, as much as the players' associations, you know, they they constantly try to fight hard to make sure that a bulk of the contracts are guaranteed, the truth of the matter is, the owners, the reason why they're not budging is that, again, they're always going to look out for their own financial interests, man, you know, with regards to this. You know because for them it 's always a, a game of high risk high reward that as much as they they 're going to be offering these players you know your fifties to i mean players nowadays because there 's more money in the league you know it's it 's not foreign now for a player to receive a contractual offer that 's between eighty to a hundred million u s dollars you know, and people always get excited, wow, you know a hundred a hundred million dollars, but they never actually get to read the fine print the terms and conditions of that contract that this is all subject or a huge percentage of the contract is all subject to the player being available to play you know some of the contracts are also structured um, to basically meet certain incentives so not only are they you know player availability but they also um, stats based which is pretty much performance-based as well. That, okay, if this player doesn't reach you know, um, these certain stats, then they won't get to see a percentage of this money. If this player is not available on game day based on injury or for whatever reason, they're not going to see a percentage of this money. So you, you end up finding out that as much as maybe that contract might, on paper, it might say $100 million, you might find that maybe 60 or 65 or 70% of that contract is fully guaranteed. The other 30% is incentive-based and availability-based. And again, when I'm saying I'm playing devil's advocate, you've got to understand that this is the way that the owners guarantee themselves in getting some of the money back. Because I can imagine that as an owner, where now you, let's say maybe you give a player a fully guaranteed contract. This player, and I mean a game like football it's it's high collision so the chances of injury i mean it's one of the only sports that has like a hundred percent injury guarantee (laughs) you know where it's guaranteed that you're going to be injured now imagine you sign a player you've signed him for a hundred million 150 million guaranteed this player plays one game gets hurt and they're out for the rest of the season you know you got to you got to look at it now from the owner's perspective that you've taken up cap space because with that 100 to 150 million US dollars you could have used it on other players that are able to play you could have probably gotten maybe 3 players at at maybe 50 million so you understand the opportunity cost that comes with these owners signing these guys, that's why they're always like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to guarantee 100% of it because we at least want to be able to recoup a certain percentage of this money should this player not be available. But hey, if this guy hits all um, um, his statistics and is available to play all 17 games, then there's no reason why they shouldn't pay him all the money. And they always upend that, you know, that... um, that end of their bargain. They always hold up that end of the bargain. That if the guy's available to play and he's performing and he hits his numbers, boom, here's all your money. 100 million. You know, but obviously after taxes and agents fees and business manager fees and other lawyer fees, that player never receives all that money. That's another, you know, <laughs> misconception people need to um, also grasp is that, as much as that is the nominal value that's put in a player's contract, that player never sees all of that money for themselves, unless this player represents himself 100% 100 and has no team around them, which is very seldom in professional sports, especially like in the USA. You usually find that these guys have their agents, they have their business managers, um, they have certain maybe lawyers, if their agent is not a lawyer... And then obviously, a chunk of that as well goes to taxation as well. Because you've got to pay your taxes, man. You've got to pay your taxes. Um, so you kind of understand, you know, in that retrospect. Same thing as in, so in, in, um, in other sports as well. That I would totally understand why in some sporting codes like soccer, if they were to implement a clause That sort of sees a non-guaranteed factor into it. And the reason why I say this is because some teams have fallen victim to paying a guy tens of millions of either dollars, rands, euros, pounds, whatever currency you're working with, yen. The guy gets all the money. And then what do they do? They either act the fool or some guys develop the fat cat syndrome where they show up in the preseason out of shape. And unfit. But now the team's already paid them all this money. So now in in this transaction, who's lost out? Obviously the team. You know, and again, I'm going to go even a step further. And I'm going to hold, you know, my country's um, football officials accountable. Like, imagine... Man, you know, you know, South African football, man, is is, is is so frustrating. It's so frustrating because, you know, with the World Cup that's currently happening now in Qatar, you know, as much as I'm rooting for all the African teams that are playing there, it's been amazing to watch your Ghanas and your Cameroons. I think Tunisia is also there. Um, I don't think Nigeria qualified. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't checked. But... It's been it's been it's it's been awesome watching uh, I know Senegal is there as well. It's been awesome watching the African teams participate, but I can't help but be a little pissed off at the fact that South Africa is not at the World Cup. Considering we have all the resources, the top resources in the African continent. We've got three high performance centers that are regarded as world class athletic facilities. Not only in Africa, but in the world, we've got the high performance center in Cape Town, we've got the high performance center in Pretoria, and we've got the high performance center in Potchefstroom. And I know, even though it's a smaller one, but they've also just built one in Bloemfontein a couple of years ago. So when you're actually counting, we've we've got four high performance centers in the country. So there is no excuse why we can't be producing world-class footballers it's absolutely shocking and again the reason why i'm talking about this i'm coming back to my point that i actually i wouldn't be opposed if safa were to implement a rule that says okay all the clubs that are you know that are operating and sanctioned and that are pretty much um operating under safa they have to make sure the players sign non-guaranteed contracts because all of this, the reason why our, our national team is not performing is because the bulk of the players that are, that are selected, you know, these guys aren't performing at club level. So why, you know, why are they going to feel the need to perform at national level? And a lot of it is, you know, to do with a lot of complacency. A lot of self-entitlement. You know, because guys feel like, fuck, if they've already signed this con- these contracts, um, these guaranteed contracts, and they're going to be getting a lot of money from their clubs, it's like, wh- where's the motivation for them? Trust me, nothing motivates you more than knowing that your employer is threatening to dock your pay if you don't fucking shape up, you know? I, you know, and, and again, this is just opinion-based. This is my opinion. I really do believe guys would give a shit more and guys would actually come out and actually um, and give a little bit more effort if they knew that shit. None of this is guaranteed, you know? Because when you look at the previous generation of uh, footballers, the guys who basically paved the way for these players, the reason why those guys went so hard was because... They were trying to make more money. And that came about because they were giving us an amazing football product. Professional soccer was literally built of those guys back. All those guys, man, who came up in the late 80s, early 90s. Like that was such a, you know, um, um, how can I say, a pivotal um, decade like the 90s because that's where a lot of the like a lot of the players really came to the fort to make sure that they build this professional league which was known as the PSL you know the Premier Soccer League they built it man and it became a multi-billion rand brand you know it became a multi-billion multi-billion rand sort of like this federation entity business and obviously now clubs were able to give guys large amounts of contracts i mean when sundowns got beat danlöv a couple of years ago it was reported that he was earning something like 250,000 to 300 grand a month he was earning around 20 30,000 us dollars a month And he was worth it, man, because he was really playing well. So what I'm saying is when teams were able to start doing those kind of things, I don't know, somewhere along the line, man, teams started overpaying players for doing so little. And I think that just really fucked things up. And now we sit here and we don't even have a team at the biggest tournament in the world. It's unforgivable. There's no excuse why South Africa is not participating at these World Cups. That's three World Cups now we've been omitted from. The last World Cup we played in was in 2010. We didn't make it to 2014. We didn't make it to 2018. We didn't make it to 2022. That's unforgivable. Contracts should start being non guaranteed within SA football. That is just my opinion. I stand by that because I believe that by doing that when you start to threaten a man's pockets you're going to threaten them to shape up. You do that, I promise you those guys will get out on that field and they will put in work like Kobe. Rest in peace to the late Kobe Bryant but they will put in work like the late Kobe Bryant did. You know? So that's where, honestly, I do understand where teams sometimes opt for non-guaranteed contracts it's to basically fight those kind of syndromes and I mean they happen you know sometimes when players get their money and they get comfortable they feel like all the hard work's been done and um, some yeah they they just stop working hard you know they just stop working hard so I totally understand and I get it you know I totally get it um yeah so that so that that's so from an agent's perspective man that's that's where i sit with this is that as much as i am for player security and um surety but then again i do believe that you know there should be a clause that says all of this is based on the player following certain rules and structures because honestly some teams and they, and they kick themselves. Some teams, you know, because they try to create such a family-orientated atmosphere. And again, I'm all for that, you know. They try to make sure, that, you know, um, they take care of their players and then the players abuse that kind of privilege. They abuse that kind of privilege by by knowing that, you know, yeah, the team's going to pay all the money that's guaranteed and then they're like, all right, I'm just going to behave in any manner I like. I'm going to arrive out of shape and unfit. And then now that cap space has been used up for that player. Because I mean, sometimes the teams will sign the player on for another two, three years. So now you're sitting with a two to three year problem that clearly shows that they've gotten all their money. So to hell with the team. You know, so I, I really do believe that in this thing, man, with... Again, going back to the Spider-Man reference, with great power comes great responsibilities. Shout out to the players who are not driven by money, that even after they are paid a handsome amount of money, they carry on working hard. You look at guys like Lionel Messi's, your Cristiano Ronaldo's, guys who've been doing it at a high level for plenty of years. I mean, these guys have made millions, millions Yet they still turn up and put the work in. You look at your LeBron Jameses. I mean, LeBron James, I think he's the first basketball player to earn a billion dollars in career earnings as a basketball player. This is outside of the things that he's done off the field. And not once has this guy ever turned up in the offseason out of shape. Not once has he ever turned up you know, overweight. Not once has he ever turned up just with a don't care attitude. Every time he turns up for a new season, he lifts up the bar even higher. So that's why I support guaranteed contracts for those kind of players. You know, I really do think, um, and and I think, and again, that's why I support, you know, team owners who are very active and who are very heavily involved with their teams because those kind of owners know who to give guaranteed uh, contracts to and who they should actually impose a clause that says okay this is actually based on um, your performance and your availability because it becomes a trust issue type of thing you know, because I believe that a team knows that if we have a LeBron James and he gets hurt, we know that he's going to fight hard to get back and deliver. So we'll give him guaranteed money. Same thing with your Cristiano Ronaldo. Same, th- same thing with your Lionel Messi's. And obviously, I don't want to only mention like the top names in, um, in their sporting codes. Other players as well that show that type of commitment and that type of mentality. I totally support a team that's going to say, okay, we're going to give this guy guaranteed money. But there are players who don't deserve guaranteed money. There are certain players that you have to keep them on their toes and make sure that they put in the effort so that they can get all that money. Because once that fat cat syndrome sets in, then you've got a cancer on your hands. You know, you've got a cancer on your hands. So that's, yeah, so that's pretty much my opinion, just from an agent's perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Pun intended on that part, you know. Um, But yeah, you know, regardless of all that, you know, the cream, you know, the cream always rises to the top, you know. And I believe that in in most of the sporting codes, you know, the best guys, they always rise to the top. You know and that's why, and that's why it's no surprise when you see them flourishing during their careers and post their playing careers because these guys see a bigger purpose. You know, they see a bigger purpose. Um, now, you know, before I go, the one thing that I would want um, a sporting code like the NFL um, to do, you know, because again, like I said, I understand when owners want to protect. Um, their investments in the players, one thing that I would encourage them to do if they're going to do that is to at least invest in upskilling the guys off the field for their second careers. Because now when you give a guy non-guaranteed money and he gets hurt playing for your team and then you suddenly cut him with nothing, then, you know, then that really gives the term to sort of like a slave, um, like a slavery practice. Whereas if you're like a um if you're basketball if you like if you're like a basketball entity, I know because FIBA does this, shout out to FIBA. They do this, especially when you take young players, that you're only allowed to take the young players if like the team guarantees that this player is gonna get like some sort of vocational training off the field. Meaning that you're either gonna enroll them in certain courses that this guy can, you know. Um, upskill themselves themselves educationally so that if things don't work out with the game, these guys are able to carry on, move forward with life. And I feel like a sport like American football doesn't actually do that. I mean, most of these guys leave university in their second or third year, so they don't really graduate. And the classes they were taking in university were crap in any case. They get to the league... And most of them, they never last in American football for that long. I mean, the lifespan on, on like an NFL career is like three years, if you're lucky. And then you're pretty much left to figure it out on your own. So I feel that if you're a team that's going to give players non-guaranteed contracts, at least help them so that they're able to figure out how to move forward should this thing not work out. you know some sort of vocational training even if it's once a week while the guy is on a contract with the team and then obviously should something happen um and they're not able to see all that guaranteed money that they're at least learning lifelong skills that they can apply you know for when their careers are over again that's just my um my opinion on the fact because i promise you things like you know um entities like FIBA FIBA is very aggressive with this it's actually part of the agent curriculum that when you're a sports agent that's studying to become a FIBA agent you need to know these kind of things so that you can actually when you're negotiating your player's contract you mention it especially if it's a young player who's like less than 18 years old that listen you you speak to the team that okay if you guys are going to sign this guy you need to make sure that he gets some form of vocational training so that he can learn certain skills you know outside of the court because again mostly FIBA um, like FIBA affiliated basketball federations from different countries those are usually the ones that don't guarantee the contracts. So they try to help the players any way they can, you know. But, um, yeah, so, so I, thought that, I thought I should just talk about that, you know, just should all um, professional sports contracts be fully guaranteed? Um, and I guess the answer is always going to be up in the air. <laughs> the answer is always going to be up in the air. Um, because, again, guys, it's, it's a business transaction, The players are trying to protect their, um, you know, their interests and the teams. On the other hand, the teams are always trying to protect their interests. As the agents, we're always in the middle. But obviously, we're always trying to make sure, especially when we're representing the player, we're always trying to make sure that at least a lot of security is leaning towards their side. You know, a lot of security. But I mean, certain teams now in sporting federations are starting to look for other options. For example, like um, sports insurances, like they make sure that they educate guys to make sure that they enroll in certain like sports insurance schemes that should they get hurt, that a certain um, portion is paid out to make sure that they're taken care of while they try to figure things out. You know, but it's an ongoing... um, It's an ongoing, you know, sort of like progress, process and progress, you know. But um, yeah, so I thought we'd just talk about that. But the athlete in me will always say that, yes, contracts should be fully guaranteed. But the agent in me always says that, no, because some players don't deserve fully guaranteed contracts. Because once you start overpaying them and you give them all that money, it's a license for them to just think that, okay, I've done what I need to do. Fuck the team. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna perform. I'm just gonna eat and get fat and not. Yeah. And, and not bring their um, half to the table, which I feel is wrong, because this isn't. These teams aren't UNICEF. They're not donating money. They're not giving money away. It's a business transaction. If you get paid, there's certain expectations. You need to perform. You need to be at your best. You need to show and prove that you are worth all this money. You know. So anyway, guys. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, man, for this episode. I really enjoyed talking about this. It's always good to talk about, um, you know, the paperwork process of professional sports. Because it's an industry. It's a massive industry. And I think when you're passionate about it, you kind of want to know all um, the different facets of professional sports so shout out to you guys and thank you for supporting the podcast man you can keep supporting the podcast you know get the merch i'll drop the link on the description of the episode and um yeah and also you know shout out to the brands i've been working with um fila uk my protein um fast matter and welt which is a german uh company they produce quality doormats so if you want to check their online store i'll make sure to link um, their online store in the description of the podcast shout out to 365 games uk and then obviously shout out to better help you know betterhelp.com if you're a person you know who's looking to just chat to a therapist uh, online therapist make sure you get on BetterHelp. help man um, it's good to talk to someone you know so shout out to all these brands that work with us on the podcast and um, yeah we we just keep doing our thing man we keep climbing and um, I just feel incredibly fortunate and blessed that I'm still able to bring you guys um, content you know sporting content 80 episodes man I'm not sure if I'll reach 100 before the year's over but we'll see (laughs) we'll see but uh, yeah we take it episode by episode All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. It's a chilly, chilly evening out here in Tokyo. Winter's coming. Winter's almost here. All right, see you guys on the next episode. All right, cheers. And remember, our sporting slogan, man, for this podcast, we don't only talk sports, we lived it. We effing lived it. Fucking lived it. Alright, in this segment of our podcast, we actually want to talk about and promote our client and partner, Getafe, Madrid International Football Academy. This is an academy, football academy, soccer academy that is based in Madrid, Spain. Getafe recruits players between the ages of 15 and 17 years old. Players are able to learn from quality coaches from around the world, UEFA accredited and licensed coaches. Players are also afforded the opportunity to receive a quality education with the academy's partner school, Akinas American School. Right, so if players enroll with the academy and study up until they finish their diploma, they are able to obtain a diploma which is USA accredited. And when they obtain this, they are able to enroll and study at any university in the world. All right. So this is an amazing, amazing soccer opportunity for any young player who has ambitions of developing in a foreign market. Passports are open to every single individual in the world. A disclaimer about this uh, promotion is that I, as a football agent that is registered in Japan, I do not represent players under the age of 18. My relationship and partnership is with the academy. So with that being said, I will only liaise with parents or legal guardians of young players. So for anyone listening to this, and wanting to find out more information You can find out by going to our website Which is www.magsportsagency.net That is www.m-a-g-sportsagency.net Alright, over there All the information is displayed In terms of tuition and the application process. Obviously, before players are accepted into the academy, um, there are certain requirements that players need to meet in order to be accepted into the academy. So only being talented as being a player, that is simply not enough. This is an academy that places an emphasis, you know, um, in education as well. This is an academy that understands the importance of education as well. So what they strive to do is equip young football players with the skills they need to excel at a high level as professional soccer players, but also to have the education that is needed for life after a professional soccer career. So this is an amazing opportunity and um, I would recommend it i definitely recommend it madrid is an amazing city spain the spanish winters are the best winters because they don't get as cold as the rest of europe and this is an amazing opportunity for a young child to develop and mature as an athlete and an individual all right they will gain the exposure and they will be able to basically be based in one of the cities that is considered As one of the capital soccer cities of the world. You know. In the city they've got one of the biggest football soccer brands in the world. In Real Madrid. So if that doesn't inspire a young player. I don't know what will. Alright. So make sure you check out the website for more information. And I look forward to hearing from parents and legal guardians. Who would like to take their child's um, football career and educational um career to the next level all right take care i'm looking forward to hearing from you